Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Luann sent me a note about a story that reminds me of Milo and Wolfie, the two dogs I had for quite some time. If you watch my videos to the end in the credits, it says, Remember Milo and Wolfie, two Shetland sheepdogs that I had for quite some time. And when I first got Milo, Milo became very, very ill, and uh, it was unclear what was wrong with him. Took him to my vet. My vet said, I don't know what's wrong with him. I think he needs to go to a specialist. So I took him to a specialist who said, I know what's wrong with him. He was given some medication that he shouldn't have been given at such a young age, and he had a reaction to it. And I apologize for not knowing the names of all these things, but this is over 20 years ago. And um, he got better. And then, of course, he made it to 15 or 16 years old. But this story reminds me of that because if you get a product from a store, it's not that emotional to say, hey, my microwave doesn't work. Fix it or buy it back or replace it. Puppy, totally different story. So Luann sent me a note to Steve Chekhov from Cleveland.com. Jake Zuckerman wrote it. Lawsuits allege that Petland sold sick dogs for thousands of dollars. And these are all financed via high interest loans, which is another story altogether. Uh, so this one woman brought a three-month-old Jack Russell Terrier puppy home after Petland ensured the dog had a clean bill of health. She paid $4,800 for the puppy, and then she financed that through a third-party lender. The dog began to exhibit symptoms, became lethargic, lost weight, was vomiting, and a veterinarian locally diagnosed her with a severe kidney problem. A second opinion from Ohio State University Vet School uh, further clarified that it was bilateral renal dysplasia, a genetic disorder that breeders could and should have detected, according to the lawsuit that the woman filed recently in Delaware County Court of Common Pleas. Now, the dog was euthanized uh, in uh, February of 2021, seven months after she was brought home. So Petland resisted the woman's attempts at getting her money back, and they eventually gave her a partial refund only after she went onto social media and began reviewing the transaction. She says that she's still out more than $1,000 on vet bills and interest. And by the way, I had to pay those vet bills out of my own pocket because the breeder I'd gotten Milo from insisted she'd done nothing wrong. She admitted that she gave Milo the medicine, but she said that she did that with all of her Sheltie puppies, and none of the other Sheltie puppies had that problem. And so what do vets know? You know, vets think they know everything. <laughs> Sometimes they know more than you. So not only was the woman responsible for thousands in hospital fees and the cost of having to take a week off from work unpaid, she was still expected to make installment payments and interest payments on a dog that she had to euthanize. So hers is one of three lawsuits filed in three separate counties, all against Petland, which is an international chain of nearly 300 pet stores stationed in Ohio. The Central Ohio plaintiffs all make two central allegations. They say Petland sold unhealthy dogs that were marked as healthy and enticed the sale of dogs that cost thousands of dollars via what they call predatory third-party loans. And the story actually goes through several other examples of cases like this, similar cases. And then they do discuss Petland's response, so let's be fair here. In a series of emails, Petland's spokesperson characterized the lawsuits as frivolous and a cheap fundraising attempt from the U.S. Humane Society via pulling at the heartstrings. She also provided documentation, she said, undermines the lawsuit's claims. For instance, a letter written in response to a complaint to the Attorney General notes that one of the buyer's contract clearly states all sales are final. Oh, the old all sales are final trick. Okay, 
Now, it says the store may, however, allow an exchange for a puppy of equal or lesser value. The puppy was later abandoned at the store and not returned. The letter makes no mention of the dog's alleged poor health. And so they're going to hide behind their paperwork. And here's the thing. Believe it or not, and this is sad to think about, but animals are simply goods being bought and sold when you buy and sell an animal. UCC governs the sale of goods in most states. And so if you buy a good from a merchant with respect to goods that kind, it's going to come with something called an implied warranty of merchantability. They can disclaim an implied warranty of merchantability, which means that you'd be technically, and I hate to use this term, but you're buying the dog as is. However, it sounds like they may have made statements about the dog's health. This dog is healthy. And if the dog's not healthy, they said the dog is healthy, that's a warranty. And so that's what it's going to boil down to. And the weird part is that some states are finally recognizing that pets are not simple goods like widgets, right? So I, I hate to even give examples because they, they, they're, too, they're too fraught with emotion to talk about, you know, if somebody came into your house and destroyed your microwave oven with a baseball bat. You go, okay, they owe me a new microwave oven. Um, if that happens to a pet, it's a whole different thing. It is. It is. And so some courts and some states and, and, uh, you know, are coming around slowly on this idea that a pet is not simply a good that can be replaced with cash. However, if you go to a pet store and buy a pet, and I'm making a hypothetical here, and they tell you this dog is healthy or this kitten is healthy or this ferret is healthy or whatever it is you're getting, this animal is healthy. If it's not healthy, then that would be a breach of warranty. And so what you do when somebody breaches the warranty is you contact them and say, how do you plan to remedy this? And theoretically, they could say, okay, we will bring the dog back and we'll take it someplace and make the dog better and give it back to you. Or you take it someplace and we'll compensate you for that. Or we'll replace the dog. Now, a lot of people wouldn't want to replace the dog because they get a mat, um, you know, emotionally attached to it. I understand that. And that's why they're pointing out that one of the remedies that Petland apparently offers is you can exchange the dog. There, I bet very few people take them up on that. I bet very few people take them up on that, just because I know how human nature is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here, because it's going to boil down to the language on the written document that they use for the sale of the dog, <clears throat> and other statements they make around the time of the sale that somebody would rely upon. So if you walked into a store, and again, I'm making up hypotheticals here. If you walked into a store and it says, all our dogs are healthy, or, or, or you know, all our dogs are checked by vets, or all, you know, if they make statements like that, you can rely on those. Uh, if they don't, and they instead have a, an as-is buyer's guide, tapes the dog's forehead and says, this dog could have the following illnesses, and you're taking all that risk on yourself. <laughs> I'm joking. That's how they do it with cars, though. Um, you know, you'd be, you'd be taking it on. But the interesting thing here is a thing called the holder rule, the holder rule. And I've talked before, and I have to summarize this very, very quickly. But think of a transaction as having three parties. There's the buyer, there's the seller, and there's the bank. And I'm personally purposely pointing sideways at the bank because the bank is usually not involved in the sales transaction. It's usually you go into a store, sign some documents, and walk out with a product where you owe money not to the store but to somebody else. Because they take the paper, the loan, and they assign it to a bank. And the bank gets the right to take the money from you because the bank is going to compensate the store. And so they refer to the bank as the holder because they're holding the paper, believe it or not. And 
in court, when you have a cause of action against the seller, you can sue the holder of the paper also. And you do that to make sure that whatever happens on this sale is worked out with whoever you're paying money to. Because this woman says, my dog passed away. And the bank still wants their money. So what you do is you sue the seller and the bank. And now I've had people say, but Steve, that's crazy. You're suing a bank for lending money? Number one, they know this is going to happen. All banks know how the laws work. That law has been in the books for years. Okay? And number two, why should the bank profit from this when the dog died? And so... Think about it in the situation I'm most involved in, which is lemon law cases, right? You go to a GM dealer, buy a GM product, and GMAC, or Ally, finances that transaction. You're making payments to Ally. The vehicle becomes defective, and the manufacturer can't fix it. But you got to still keep making payments to the bank while you've got a defective car? And so what the holder rule says is that the bank, in essence, stands in the shoes of the seller. So they have all the rights and remedies that the seller would have if the seller had simply done this, but they also got all of the remedies available to the buyer that they'd have against the seller, they have against the bank. And so if you wouldn't have to pay the seller, you wouldn't have to pay the bank. So I suspect that the finance companies have been dragged into this. Uh, It does not say that explicitly in the article, so I'm not sure that's true. But the bigger problem here is that Any other product that you buy, if you go into a store and buy a product and it's defective, we all know how that is. But people have a hard time wrapping their head around the idea that I bought a dog, family pet, kids love the family dog, they play with the dog, and the dog is a product or a good. And it is. It is. And that's kind of one of those situations where the law doesn't quite perfectly match up with how our brains work. Because, you know, there are marketplaces for animals. Uh, So, you know, hogs and and cattle, uh, they have boards of trade where you can track what these things are selling for every single day and the numbers fluctuate. And yet there they have become completely commoditized, okay? But but dogs, cats, and, and other household pets, it's not the same thing. So it's very, very difficult I've had a few people over the years contact me about cases like this, but it's been a long time since I looked at one. But um, I know that a very good friend of mine who is an attorney uh, was sold a dog by one of these places, and the dog got very, very ill, and uh, he took it back, and he got his money back. But I suspect that he spoke to them in a language unlike how most consumers would speak to them. And I'm not talking about swearing. I'm talking about legalese, (laughs) which if you're an attorney... And you can say the right things. Sometimes you can get people's attention. So we'll see what happens. But as of right now, it looks like there's been at least three lawsuits filed over dogs being sold by Petland, where the dog turned out to be very, very sick. And Petland says, well, dog sold as is. And um, meanwhile, the dogs are also being financed through high-interest loans through a lender. And the question, of course, is if your dog passes away, do you still have to pay off that debt with the lender? So there's that also. But Luann, thanks for sending that. Jake Zuckerman wrote it for Cleveland.com. It's actually quite a lengthy piece. He details the stories of a total of three different people who had that happen to them. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. 
The open road is there. It will always be there. You just have to decide when to take it.